Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about something that I think, as parents, we all deal with, and that is negative thoughts. We have our own negative thoughts, but that's not what this is about. And our children, especially anxious kids and kids with other mental health problems, tend to have a lot of negative thoughts. Now, I'm not talking about bad thoughts, so I am differentiating. If your child is having a lot of bad thoughts, you might want to check out some of my other podcast episodes on moral OCD and intrusive thoughts. That is episode 32 and episode 42 that cover those topics. But today I want to talk more about just those negative thoughts, having a really negative child and how you handle that. Because I frankly find it very draining because I find that I'm a very relatively optimistic person and I try to see the bright side of everything And I try to get myself out of funks. And even though I definitely find myself there, as every parent does, overall, I tend to be a pretty optimistic person in general. And I have three kids, and two of my three kids are pretty optimistic. One is is very optimistic, or I can easily get her out of her funk. The other one's pretty optimistic, too. But my son is definitely not optimistic currently. Maybe that will change in his life, and I really hope it will. And I'm doing everything I possibly can to try to change that, although it's his journey, and I tell you guys that all the time, that, I mean, we can help guide our kids, but how they think, how they behave, and who they are as a person is ultimately going to be up to them. We can help guide them, which is the only job that we have is to help give them the tools that they need and to help guide them. And what they do with that is really going to be their own journey. And I'm saying that, especially for this episode, because I think as an optimistic parent, it can be very annoying (laughs) and discouraging when you feel like you're giving your child a pretty good life and that you're being a pretty good parent and they're still incredibly negative. And it's not about you. And I think that's what I remind myself and I remind parents that I work with is it's not about what you're doing or what you're not doing. Physiologically, kids have different temperaments that they're born with. And some tend to be more positive and some tend to be more negative. Now, as parents, yes, we can absolutely exasperate in one direction or another. We can encourage and help shape a more positive outlook, even if physiologically, maybe their temperament is to be more skewed to the negative. Or we can take a pretty optimistic kid and we can crush them with our criticism and our words. And so as parents, we do play a pivotal part in our children's perceptions of who they are and of the life around them. We model it by our own complaints, by our own negative comments, or our own positive comments, our own positive spin. But there is a baseline that kids generally have. 
I'm the same mom to all three of my kids, but two out of the three have a pretty optimistic perception and view on life, and one does not. So today I want to talk to you about what kind of negative thoughts a lot of anxious kids have, and as a parent, what your reaction can be to help guide them in a different direction. So I have come up with the four most common things I hear kids say in my practice and one in my home that drive me bonkers and what you can say to them to help get them to think things differently. Although you have to realize that ultimately you can bring a horse. Is it the saying? <laughs> you can bring a horse to water, but you can't get them to drink. Is it a horse or is it a cow? <laughs> I suck at sayings. It's almost kind of a joke. I think it's a bring a horse. You can't bring a horse to water, but you you can bring a horse to water, but you can't get them to drink. <laughs> you can you can bring perspective to your child, but you can't force them to be happy. So let's go over it. I'm going to go over um, each one in detail and talk about different analogies and things that you can do to try to help your child move past that negative thought. So the first one is, and I'm sure that you've heard this before, this is the worst day ever. Oh my gosh, I have never had such a bad day. This is the worst day of my life. I hear that a lot. It's kind of annoying because really, is this really that bad of a day? Is it really the worst day? Now my youngest, who's six, and actually next week, I am going to do a podcast episode with her. I already recorded it, but it will be going out next week. So when you're hearing this, it'll be the following Tuesday. And she is going to talk to you all about her own anxiety and what things that she would think parents can do to help little kids. So total side note, but it was a very cute episode. And she told me a lot of things that I didn't even realize about her. So she can say this is the worst day ever, but it's so easy to get her out of that because she's really not thinking that. She's just being dramatic in the moment. So there is a difference between a child who's being dramatic, like my youngest, who, you know, she'll say, can I have some of my Halloween candy? Because we still have that hanging around at Christmas. And maybe I'll say, no, maybe after dinner. And she'll fall to the floor and she'll say something dramatic like, this is the worst day ever. But I can go and I can tickle her and I can be like, I know, I'm so horrible. I torture you. How can you love me? And she'll laugh and that's the end of it. But my son, who's eight, no, that is not going to happen. Because when he says it, he legitimately means it. So let's talk about that. We're talking about the kids that really mean it. And unfortunately, when you have a child who is suffering with anxiety or OCD or both, their stress level is very high. They are constantly bombarded with negative thoughts and not just the ones I'm going to be talking about, but anxious thoughts. I can't do anything right. Um, I'm scared to do this. I'm scared to do that. And with OCD, it's even worse because they're intrusive thoughts often. And so they're, they're irrational, nonsensical thoughts. So those kids are already beaten down so much that when bad things happen, they don't know how to navigate through them. And so they seem like really, really ridiculously negative kids. Now, not all anxious kids and not all kids with OCD are like that because 
all three of my kids have anxiety. And like I said before, two aren't like that. So some are and some aren't. I tend to see more boys than girls who tend to have this negative slant. And that could just be my observation and not really statistically significant. But Or it could be, we can go on a whole societal kick, that sometimes boys aren't allowed to express themselves in a way that girls can, and so maybe they have to stuff things more. I don't know. But the two kids that I have that are girls, they seem to not have this perspective as much. But I have worked with girls in my practice who are very negative, so it is what it is. It's really probably not a gender thing. So I'll tell you a story to help you. This is going to be more of a, a story podcast. I'm going to tell you the analogies that I use with my kids just to give you a flavor of how you can approach these things with your children. Because I think as parents, we are very quick to just jump in and say, you're having an okay day or it's not that bad. I mean, really, it's fine. And that tends to annoy our kids more than help them because in their mind, it's not okay. And in their mind, it is really bad. And so when we don't validate it and we spend a lot of time just trying to get them out of that funk, they don't feel heard and it doesn't teach them how to get out of their own funk. And if you listen to me at all, you know that I'm a huge proponent of teaching kids their own skills so that they can learn how to get out of their own anxiety, their own negative thinking, that if we do it for them, if we cater to their anxiety or cater to their OCD, or maybe rethink the way they're looking at something for them, then they're never going to learn how to do it themselves. And we're not going to be there with them when they're in their twenties or thirties or forties or fifties. And so what is that saying? (laughs) Oh no, here we go again. Uh, give a man a fish (laughs) and he eats for one day, but teach him how to fish and he eats for a lifetime. I should probably just not say sayings. But it's the same concept, right? You want to teach your kids how to look at things differently instead of just bulldozing your positivity onto them. You know, let's just do something fun. Let's get you out of this funk. Let's, you know, how about we watch a good movie? How about you go play with this? And instead, we want to really try to help them intellectually change their perspective. And that is going to take some time. It's not going to happen overnight. And frankly, I am still in the throes of trying to get my child to see things from a different perspective. And I'm not invested in the outcome in the sense that it is my success or my failure. And it's not your success or your failure. And it's so important to separate those two because I think parents spend a lot of time spinning their wheels saying, what am I doing wrong? Why isn't this working? What, what can I do better? Why am I failing as a parent? Because my child saying these negative comments. And I think you have to realize that you can only do so much. So yesterday, my son comes home. And this is a very common story, unfortunately, right now. He came home. And as we're driving home from school, he's saying he had a good day. So Hey, how was your day? This is us in the car. Oh, it was a good day. Um, I got, they, they do colors at his school based on how well they're behaved. And so he's like, I got blue today, which is the second to highest color. So that's good. And I got Skittles. 
This is him talking because I can't even remember why he got candy, but he was one of the only kids that got candy. And he said one more thing that was good. Oh, actually, I think he got candy because he was, he was at keyboard club at the end of the day. And so everything he said was good. Nothing bad. So we come home and I'm trying to think what happened yesterday that kicked it off. I think actually everything was going fine. He had a snack. There were, there, was, there were no issues that I could even tell. He did not seem to have an anxious day. He didn't seem to have any known anxiety. He does keep everything very, very quiet. And so it's super hard to tell when he's anxious. So I really never know completely. But sometimes if he had a rough day, I can tell. And then he needed to get his bathing suit on for swim class. And so I was like, hurry up, we got to go. And I did actually kind of rush him, which was bad because anxious kids really can't handle that. So I got caught up and I wasn't preparing him to go to swim class. Normally I give him a big window and I start warning him and he has to do his homework before we go to swim class because he has a pretty late night swim class. So by the time he gets home, he's going to have to change and pretty much go to bed. So I got riled up. And as a side note, or as maybe just kind of a really good point, that's not even a side note. (laughs) Your mood is contagious. My mood is contagious. And so the minute I am stressed, the minute I am negative, He is like a sponge, so much more than my other kids. And so he completely, completely emulates whatever mood I'm in. So I looked at the time and then um, I started to get ramped up and was like, ah, get your bathing suit on, hurry up, you have to do your homework. And I was starting to spit fire directions at him and that just made him melt. And so he was walking somewhere and my 14-year-old who isn't always the best sister in the world, put her leg out. She says it was an accident, but I'm highly suspicious. And he tripped. So he tripped and I'm on the phone and I see him, you know, fall onto the tile and he's fine. He didn't hit his head. He broke the fall. It was like nothing, but for him, it was a very big deal. So he kind of lays there. So I go up to him and I'm like, are you okay? Because with him, if you don't recognize and acknowledge that he got hurt, He is going to go into a tailspin because you don't care about him. And didn't you see that I fell? And don't you love me? You know how that goes, right? So I'm on the phone, but I'm like, are you okay? And he's like, "Mm." and that is a sign that it's not going to be pretty. So he runs off to my um, home office and closes the doors kind of where he goes when he's angry. And I just give him space. And so when when your kid is in a mood or a funk like that, And I am going to do another podcast on how to deal with frustration because I did ask my private Facebook group topics to do for the podcast. And if you're not in that private Facebook group, you should join. It's an amazing group of parents and it is at facebook.com backslash groups backslash, or is it group group? I think it's groups backslash parenting anxious kids. You can go on my website at anxious toddlers to teens.com scroll all the way to the bottom and there's like a pink button to link to my private Facebook group. But anyway, I got tons of suggestions on topics to cover and a couple of them, actually many, many of them were about 
meltdowns and aggression and negative behavior and frustration. And so I thought I'd break it up into different topics. So this one is going to cover negative thoughts and I will do another one on frustration and I'll do another one on aggression. So give it some time. They're going to come out once I'll eventually get to all of them. So he's upset that he got tripped and then we get into the car and I'm on the phone. So I don't talk to him and I'm really never on the phone. Um, like once every few months because I don't talk to anybody. (laughs) I'm very antisocial. We'll talk about that some other day. But so it was my sister. I never talked to my sister. And so it's very rare. And he was very upset because he wanted to talk to me in the car. And then he had a totally fine swim class. And then he came home. And as we're driving home, his his swim coach can kind of be, um, he can tease, but in a way that I think wouldn't always go down well with my son. And so I said, you know, I actually was praising him. So I said, I love the way you handle how the coach, you know, sometimes is loud and sometimes makes fun of you in a silly sort of way. And you handle it so well. Well, because he was already in a negative mood, that wasn't a really great thing to say because he went and he took that and he ran with it. And he said, I felt humiliated. He actually used the word humiliated, which I actually thought was a pretty big vocabulary word. And I'm having a terrible day because I got tripped and then you were on the phone and then you weren't talking to me. So he started to spiral and who knows why he started to spiral, right? You don't know why your kids spiral. I mean, we don't know what their thoughts are. And so being an anxious kid, they are constantly in their head. And so things just accumulate and then they implode. So finally I got him to bed. I'm trying to think what, I don't know. I won't even go into it. There were some more problems when we got home. I have no idea. I could probably think about it, but it's in the past. It was yesterday. So he's laying in bed, and this is the part that I wanted to talk to you about. I'm sorry that was kind of a long intro, but I wanted to give you the context of his day. It really wasn't that bad of a day. And so he's crying, saying, I have, I am having the worst day ever. I am having the worst day ever. I can't go to bed because I'm having such a bad, bad day. And so this is a common occurrence in my house with him. And I've been constantly trying to change his perspective. And so I use analogies with kids. And if you have a child that's a little bit older, you know, like six and older, using analogies can be really helpful. So I'm not talking about your toddlers. I'm talking about your, you know, your older kids, six and up, or maybe even five and up, depending on just their cognitive functioning. But I said to him, I have been talking to him about the glass being half empty or half full. And he's a very logical, visual kid. And so he gets these kind of concrete examples. And then I said, take a cup. And sometimes in my practice, I'll just draw a big cup on my whiteboard. And I'll, I'll draw like a, a cup that's half full or half empty, however you want to look at it. And I'll say, what is that? And then the child, normally who's negative, will say, it's a cup. And I'll say, is it half empty or half full? And I'll say, it's half empty. And then we'll go into a conversation. So I like using analogies with kids. And so I have used that a lot with him. I said, you know, you always look at the cup as half empty. And if you want to go and try to see everything that's negative in your day, you're going to find it. I said, you can have two people who have the exact same day. And one person is going to say they had a good day. And the other person is going to say they had a bad day because it's about perspective. And I'll I'll talk to my kids and I'll say, if I said to you, go around and look for anything and everything that is red 
or tell me if you find any green cars. You're going to see red or green everywhere because your mind is honed in on that. And it's the same thing with good things or bad things that are happening. So if you want to highlight and collect every bad thing that happens to you and put it in your bad day file so that when you get home, you can say, look at my bad day file. I've had a horrible day because this is in my bad day file and this is in my bad day file. Then I'll say, what's in your good day file? Well, you haven't been collecting any evidence for your good day. And I use the same approach for social anxiety. And I'll talk about that in an upcoming podcast episode for social anxiety. And as a side note, I am very, very gung-ho about doing a lot of work on social anxiety in the upcoming months, because as a person with social anxiety, it's my passion. And so just FYI, stay tuned for that. I am going to be working on a social anxiety online class for kids. It's going to be my first class. It's actually going to be for kids directly. Uh, I have already a class on OCD and I have a class on anxiety, but those classes are to teach you, the parent, how to help your child and give you all the skills that I teach kids in my practice that you could do at home. But this one is going to be purely like to show your child directly. So I'm super excited about it. I just decided to do it. And I am going to leave a link in the show notes for people. If you want to get notified when it's done, I always do kind of like a 48 hour, 50% off sale. So if you want to get on my list to be notified about that, look in the show notes. If you're on iTunes or if you're on my website, you can go to the bottom and I'll leave a link to join my newsletter, which will let you know when the social anxiety class comes out. So anyway, I do use that analogy because I feel like in general, when we're a negative person or in social anxiety, when we're um, feeling like people don't like us, we are constantly looking for evidence to prove that that is true. And so I was saying to my son last night, you go around throughout your day and when something bad happens, you put it in your bad file and then that's evidence that you're having a terrible day. So then I started to ask him questions. And I did talk about this on my YouTube video about when um, anxiety causes a bad attitude. And if you haven't seen that video, you can check that out. It's at youtube.com backslash C backslash anxious toddlers 78. And I talk about how to help a bad attitude. And so I talk about this approach in that video as well. And I'll say, so I said to him last night, did you get written up? And he'll say, no. Did you get a red light? No. Did you fall and break a bone yesterday? Or actually, I was talking to him last night, so I didn't say yesterday. Today? And he said, no. And I'm like, those would be really bad things. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, that didn't happen to you, did it? And he's like, no. And then I said, um, did you get Skittles today? Yes. Well, that was good. Did you do well in swim class? Yes. Did you get a blue light today? Yes. Did you like the snack that you got after school? Yeah. And I said, those were all good things. So I said, all these good things happened to you. And what were the bad things that happened to you? Okay, your sister, quote unquote, accidentally tripped you. Your mom, oh my gosh, she was on the phone while she took you to swim class. So rude, I know, right? And that was pretty much it. And then your coach was a silly coach like he always is. And I happened to mention that. So those are the small bad things, and those were all the good things. And he's like, yeah. And so I said to him, you're saying it's a bad day because you're focusing on the negative. 
And so then I did an analogy with him and he, he's really good with analogies. So, you know, maybe your child wouldn't be, it just depends on your kid and how long they're willing to let you talk like this. But I said to him, if it was a beautiful sunny day and then a raindrop hit my nose, would I say it was a stormy day or would I say it was a sunny day with a little sprinkle? And he said, well, you wouldn't say it was a stormy day. And I'd say, yeah, what if it was a beautiful day? It was so sunny and it had some rainbows. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this day is gorgeous. And then a dot of water hit my nose. Is that a horrible, rainy, stormy day? Or is that a beautiful day? And my nose got a little bit wet. And he said, well, he doesn't really like to give me credit. So he doesn't always agree with me. (laughs) So I won't make this conversation sound beautiful because it's not but he, he was listening. And then he is a math guy. So I continued and I said, so if your day is 99% great and 1% bad, is that a bad day? Because he loves numbers. And so then he thought about that one because I was speaking his language. He actually said to me yesterday, I wish that I could speak in numbers instead of words, <laughs> which I thought was so weird. So he thought about it and he said, well, My day was not 1% bad. My day was 10% bad. So then I said, okay, so 90% of your day was good. 10% of your day was bad. Is that a bad day? And then he was like, well, no, my day was 50% bad. And then I said, was it? So your sister accidentally tripped you. You didn't get hurt. And your mom was on the phone when you're going to some class. Is that 50%? Now, see what I'm doing there. I'm not saying that it's a beautiful thing and it worked out wonderfully. He's still a negative person. But what I'm doing there is I'm giving him an alternative perspective. And so I'm not, I'm not spoon feeding him happiness. And I'm not saying you need to recognize that you had a great day and stop complaining because it could have been worse. I'm, I'm taking a Socratic approach. So a Socratic approach is more questioning. So it's like, hmm, this, this, and this happened to you which was good, and this happened to you, which wasn't that great. But you're saying it was a bad day. That's your perspective. So when you take a Socratic approach, you're basically just presenting something to kids without really coming to any conclusions of your own. You're just giving them an alternative perspective. And so sometimes I'll tell kids in my practice about a time when I was driving to work and I got a flat tire And I'll tell them, you know what? That was a great day. And normally the kids will look at me and they'll be like, what? And I'll say, yeah, because I was about to go on the highway. And so two more miles, I would have been on the highway. And driving and getting a flat tire could have been dangerous. But luckily, my tire decided to get flat about a block away from my house. And that was perfect because I was able to pull off the road I was able to call somebody and not be on the highway. And I was able to walk back to my house. It was, I didn't say, oh, this is the worst day ever. I'm having a flat tire. I looked at it from a different perspective. And I said, this is actually a good thing because it could have been much worse. I could have gotten a flat tire on the highway and that could have been dangerous. I could have had no place to pull over and that would have been dangerous. So it's all how we want to look at a problem. There is a book, I was just trying to figure out what it was called, that my children used to have. And I I try to Google it. I can't find it. Maybe you know what it is. But it was a story about this mouse 
who was thought he was having a really horrible day. And he really didn't realize of all the bad things that could have happened to him. So he thought like something bad was happening, but actually a cat almost got him, but some wood fell on him and he didn't realize that it was because of the cat and the wood actually protected him. But it was very much like what I'm talking about. It was a great way to change perspective. Another good book, which is different and much more direct, is My Day is Ruined. It's a story for teaching flexible thinking. And that might be a good one if you have a child that is like my son, who feels like everything is ruined when just one bad thing happens. That book was written by Brian Smith. And so I do like to use a lot of books, even though my son kind of knows the gig is up on that one. He knows what I'm doing because he'll look at another book and be like, really, is this one for me too? So you can try to change perspective when they're feeling like this is the worst day ever by using the analogies I talked about reading books that kind of speak to that topic and that can help. I want, that's like the biggest one I feel like with negative thinking, but I do want to get into three more briefly, but we're going to use the same techniques as we did with the first one. So if they're not saying this is the worst day ever, then they're saying you are the worst parent ever, right? I hate you. You are the worst parent ever. You are the worst. And you're like, great. So I don't really care when my kids say that because it doesn't impact me. I realize they're kids, but I do work with a lot of parents where they're super sensitive and they take everything very personally and don't realize, you know, kids are going to say hurtful things. They're going to say they hate you. That's just what kids do sometimes, especially negative kids. So how do you respond to that? And the first thing you want to do is definitely not take it so personally. I did make a YouTube video about how to handle kids talking back. And so I made that on my YouTube channel quite a while ago, and it's creatively called Tips on How to Handle Talking Back. So that was about 11 months ago, but if you want to look at that, that might give you some information on how to handle those negative comments a little bit more directly. But what I tell my kids, first of all, I don't personalize it because it's not about you. If a child is saying, you're the worst parent ever. They're not okay. They're not feeling well. They're very angry and they're trying to retaliate and hurt you like they're feeling hurt. And so it's important to realize that and not react emotionally because the last thing your anxious child needs is you putting your own emotion and your own hurt into the situation. It's like gasoline on a fire. You don't need that. And it's not necessary because even those those words sound like they're about you, they're not about you. So this is what I say to my kids. This is what I tell parents to say in my practice. You say, look, you don't have to love me. You don't have to even like me. I will always love you and that's okay. But you still need to do blah, blah, blah. Whatever it is, they're probably having a cow about. And so you still need to pick up your clothes. You can hate me and that's okay. I love you, but you still need to pick up your clothes. Or sometimes because sensitive kids really, truly feel like you're picking on them or you have a really bad tone, uh, they, negative kids tend to be very 
sensitive to criticism and really don't understand that you're redirecting them or you're just being parental, they see it as an attack. And that's a problem because socially they see things as an attack and at home they see things as an attack. It's kind of the anxious perspective a lot of times. And we'll talk about that with social anxiety because that is a very big part of social anxiety as well. So I take a step back with my son who says that he doesn't really say I hate you, but he, he can go negative. My littlest will say, you hate me. She actually does that more than he does. And I explained to her, I'll say, look, my job, I'm your teacher. I am your life teacher. You go to school to learn how to read, to write, to learn about history and science and all those things. And when you come home, my job as your life teacher is to teach you about boundaries and rules, how to behave, how to treat other people well, how to respect people, how to take care of yourself, how to take care of your house, how to take care of your belongings, how to be responsible, all of those things, which is a very, very big, big list of things. It's my responsibility as your life teacher. And so if you don't learn those things and you grow up to not be able to do any of it because I didn't want to upset you, then I'm not going to do my job. If I don't teach you that it's not okay to talk back, or if I don't teach you that it's not okay to hit, then when you go to school and you hit, or you go to school and you hit back, guess what? They're going to say, why didn't your mom or dad teach you to not hit? Or why didn't you learn to not talk back? Why are you so disrespectful? And I'll say, because that's my job. I need to do a good job. And I don't want you to get in trouble in other areas. I don't want you to go to school or when you grow up and you go to work and you don't know how to behave because I didn't do my job as your life teacher. So as a life teacher, I'm going to have to teach you life lessons and you're not going to always like my life lessons. Sometimes I'm going to have to make you do things to be responsible or sometimes you're going to make a choice that's not that great because you're learning. You're going to mess up and that's okay. Because your job is to learn and to mess up and to learn again. And my job is to teach you those life lessons. So when you say something that's not okay, or you lose control and you hit your sister, then it's my job to teach you. And sometimes I teach you by giving you a consequence. So when I am speeding as a grown up on the road and I am going over the speed limit, the police can pull me over and they can give me a ticket. And I'll have to pay money out of my bank account as a punishment. That's a grown-up consequence. And guess what? The next time I'm going down that road, I'm going to say, ooh, this is where I got that ticket. What's the speed limit? Oh, it's 35. I need to slow down because I have learned my lesson because of my consequence. And so as a parent, I have to teach you life lessons. And it has nothing to do about whether I love you or don't love you. I always love you. And because I love you, I have to teach you these life lessons, even if it hurts my heart to see you cry and get upset. Because if I didn't, if I said, you know what, I don't want to upset him because, you know, it's so sad to see him cry. So I'm just going to let him get away with that. I'm not going to tell him that that's not an okay behavior. I'm going to just let him do whatever he wants. I'm actually harming you. I'm harming you because I'm letting you do something that is not going to be okay in the outside world. It's not going to be okay at school. It's not going to be okay when you grow up. So because I love you, 
I'm going to sometimes give you consequences. And because I love you, I might tell you it's not okay to say that or do that. And you might think that it's because I hate you or I'm the worst parent ever. And you might, and you may not grow up and come back and look and say, wow, I'm so glad my mom taught me that. I'm so glad I learned that. Now, sounds beautiful, (laughs) but I'll tell you, my daughter, my youngest, she'll say, I don't want any of your life lessons. They're stupid. And that's okay. She doesn't have to get it. You're just planting the seeds so that they can have a different perspective. The third thing that I hear often is, so we have the worst day ever. You're the worst parent ever. And the third one is, I hate myself. I hate myself. I'm so stupid. I'm such an idiot. I can't do anything right. Nobody likes me. I don't like myself. Those are really common statements from kids with anxiety and OCD. And that's because it's already so overwhelming to have all these thoughts and to have these fears or these nonsensical compulsions that you have to do that it takes a hit on the self-esteem. And so, and also you have some kids that are perfectionistic. And so when they can't get anything perfect, they go to self-hate, which is really upsetting. So what we do a lot of times as typical parents is we swing in and we say, don't say that. You're great. I love you. You're so awesome. You're amazing. And then we kind of cheerlead. And in our children's heads, often they're thinking, you're just saying that because you're my mom. Or you're just saying that because you're my dad. You have to say that. And kids will tell me that in therapy when I'll say, well, what would your mom or dad say about you? And they'll say, oh, that doesn't count. They have to like me. I'm their kid. And I'll say, eh, not really. <laughs> That's kind of not true. But they discount what we say because we're their parents. And so I take a pretty weird approach. And you have to know your kid in order to do this approach that I'm about to talk to you about. But I'll say to kids, like my kids, I don't say this to kids in my practice. I kind of take a little bit of a softer approach. But when my kids say something like, I hate myself, I'll say, well, if you hate yourself, then everybody else is going to hate you too. And then they're kind of like, wait, what? And I say it just to get a reaction and kind of, because they're expecting that you're going to try to pull them out of that mood. And I'll say, if you don't love yourself, then nobody else is going to like you either. Because how we treat ourselves and how we think about ourselves oozes out of us. And it sends a message to everybody else, whether we're lovable or likable. And even though that sounds kind of harsh, it's true. And so if you don't love yourself, why should somebody else love you? If you don't like yourself, then why should somebody else like you? And so if you want people to like you, if you want people to love you, you have to start with yourself. As cheesy as that sounds, I'll put that in for the teenagers. It's so true. And it really is true. And so I'll say, what do you like about yourself? Because if you don't have things that you like about yourself, then it's going to be a really, really rough life. So sometimes taking that approach can help. It depends on your child. That may not be the way to talk to some kids. Most of the kids that I work with who can handle that kind of thing will start to say, well, I like certain things about me. And we'll start to go and I'll be like, what? What do you like about yourself? And then if they can't think of something, I'll say, what would your friends say? Why, do, why are they friends with you? And then they'll say, well, I don't know why they're friends with me. Then I'm like, go ask them. And they're like, no, I'm not going to do that. 
Well, why do you think? If you had to guess, and so when kids can't answer me, a lot of times I won't leave it at that. I'll say, okay, you don't know, but if you had to guess, what would it be? And it's funny because when you say that, a lot of times then they'll give you an answer, which I think is kind of interesting. So you want them to figure out what they like about themselves, what their friends like about themselves. And then often kids will start saying things like, I don't like myself because I'm not good at math, or I don't like the way I look, or I can't do whatever. And I will say to kids that you're not going to be great at everything. And so I'm, I think I'm just more of a blunt, direct parent and I'm a, a blunt, direct therapist. And I'll say, you're not going to be great at everything. So there's always going to be someone better than you. And there's always going to be someone worse than you in every category. And there's no way you can be amazing and awesome at everything you do. And then I normally talk about me and I say, I am horrible at math. I cannot do math. You could probably do math 10 times better than me. I can't even do math on a first grade level. <laughs> That's kind of sad. I mean, now they're doing math in such a weird way. I don't know. They're doing like this um, common core math and there are like these lines and simple math is not simple math anymore. But anyway, I digress. So I'll say math is not my thing, but give me a problem or have me talk to a child. And that's my thing. I get people. I get problems. I get anxiety. I can help with that. But don't give me your math homework because I cannot help with that. And if they're my kid, I'll say that to them. I'll say, you know, if you have math, you're not coming to me, right? You're going to go to dad because I can't do that. But if you're having a problem with a friend, then you're going to come to me because I can help you with that. We can't be great at everything. So I think, again, what we're trying to do is give perspective. And then if you know the person you're, obviously you'll know the person you're talking to. (laughs) That was weird. But you know your child. And so I would then recommend saying something that they're better at than you. So like with my son, I'll say, you're better at math than me already. I mean, you're just amazing. And the way that you think about things, I can't think that way. So find something that your child is better at than you, and then you highlight that. And then throughout the days and months ahead, you you highlight that again. Hey, can you cook the dessert because you're kind of the chef in the house? Or hey, can you help your sister with her math homework because you're kind of the math genius in the house? You start to externally highlight what they're good at, and then it can internalize, and they can start to identify that as their strength. You have to do it subtly. And you can't do it in a very cheesy way. Like, you're the smartest kid in the house, so go do that. You want to really give them very detailed information about why they're great at that. You know, you're the pet whisperer in the house, so can you take the dog for a walk because the dog loves you the most? You know, and and don't make it up. You know, just find something that your child's really good at. So I feel like self-esteem building takes a lot of time and a lot of perspective that they're not going to be great at everything. So if your child is struggling at something that they're genuinely not good at, don't lie to them and say, you're not that bad or you're pretty good because they know that you're lying. Say, yeah, you know what? You're not that great at that. Nope, you're not that great. They, most of them are much better than you. I totally agree with you, but you're really good at this. And I don't think a lot of those kids can probably do that. We all have our things that we're good at and we all have our things that we're bad at. I think the more honest you are with kids, the more they're going to believe you. So if you're sugarcoating and minimizing and um, inflating them in areas that really aren't accurate, they're going to know that. And so if they don't like a part of their body that maybe isn't absolutely perfect in societal views, 
then highlight what is good. What do you like about yourself visually? You know, do you like your hair or your nose or your lips? You want, and you don't want to say what you like about them. You want them to generate it themselves. So instead of going into, well, who cares what we look like? You know, no one should care. It's what's in on the inside, not the outside. That's not really addressing their concern at that moment. So you just want to highlight, what do you like about the way that you look? Pick something. So you want to start getting them to change their perspective and you don't want to change it for them because it's not going to be effective and it won't stick. So lastly, I often hear anxious kids, especially socially anxious kids, but even just kids with anxiety in general say, no one likes me. So a lot of times, and not always, there are some kids that genuinely have no friends and really nobody does like them and you have to work on their social skills. And I do have a YouTube video on that because why not, right? So I do have a YouTube video all on how to improve your child's social skills. So if that's your child, you can go and watch that video at youtube.com backslash C backslash anxious toddler 78. But I'm talking about the kid who does have friends and is liked, but maybe, you know, one kid in their class made a negative comment to them, or maybe on the playground, one kid said, you don't know how to throw and that ruined their entire day, even though they don't even know the kid's name. And so I tell kids, and again, this is kind of my blunt, direct uh, style with kids, but I'll say, you know what? Not everyone's going to like you. That's just the facts. And I always say to kids in my practice and my own kids, I say, there's a sprinkle of mean kids in every class. And there's a sprinkle of super, super nice kids in every class. You're going to meet mean kids. You're going to meet kids who are just not going to like you. And there is nothing you did and there's nothing you can do. It just is a fact. There are times where people just aren't going to like you. That happens to me all the time. (laughs) There's people who just, they don't like me. I didn't do anything to them. They don't even know me, but they just look at me and they don't like me. I'm not going to take that on as my fault. I'm going to just accept the fact that not everyone is going to be a Natasha fan. Not everyone's going to be your fan. And that's normal. That's okay. We can't have the whole world being your fan. And the whole world can't be my fan. That's why there's many different flavors because not everybody likes the same flavor. So a lot of times you're going to spin your wheel worrying about why doesn't that person like me? And there's really literally nothing you can do about it. So sometimes it's not about you. It's about them. And sometimes we don't know what it is about them that makes them either mean or makes them not like you. It could be that they are jealous of you or that you have more friends or that you're smarter or that you have long hair and they have short hair. Who knows? But there are people who like you. I think you just have to realize that not everyone's going to be your friend. So if you have a class of 30 people, not all 30 people are going to like you. And not all 30 people are going to invite you to their birthday parties or sleepovers or try to reach out and make plans with you because that just doesn't happen to anybody. So who does like you? And then get your child to name who likes them. Well, why do they like you? She's been friends with you for a while. Why does she become your friend? I don't know. I don't know why she likes me. Well, what's your best guess? I don't know. Well, does she hate you? No. Then why do you think she likes you? I'm kind of persistent when I ask my questions. Sometimes kids will really block me off, but more often than not, eventually I'll get some answers. And so, well, you know, I'm kind of nice. 
And if they can't come up with an answer, then I might poke fun at them and I might say, is it because you're so mean? No. Oh, you're not mean? No. Then what are you? Well, I'm nice. You are? What do you do that's nice? Well, I help her with her homework or whatever. You get my point. So there are ways to get kids to come up with their own reasons of why they're a good friend or why they like themselves or what happened in their day that was good by kind of being sarcastic and saying the opposite. Now you have to know your kid and you have to know whether that's a good style or not because that's not going to resonate with every child. So take my approaches with a grain of salt because I I gauge the kid that I'm working with in my practice and I, I banter with them and I know them and then I determine what kind of tone I take. And so this is the tone I take with all of my kids at home because they have been living with me forever and they all can handle it. <laughs> and it works. It works really well with them. Now, my son is still negative. So I'm not saying this is a panacea to negativity, but he said a beautiful thing yesterday that I thought was so interesting. So this was on the way home when he was talking about how great his day was. Little did we know, dun, 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 that later it would be the worst day ever. But he was talking to one of his peers who was upset with another peer and did something to get back at that other kid. And he said, I went up to her and I said to her, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. And I thought, (laughs) that's me. That's me talking to him. I mean, I have told him that a million times. So, and what you'll hear on the podcast next week with my six-year-old and her anxiety, she said things in that interview that I have told her that I did not even realize resonated and stuck. So you're planting seeds. I mean, I'm planting seeds so often and I didn't realize that, you know, that germated, that he, that he heard that, that he got that, that being vindictive or retaliatory isn't a good way to be, that he got that concept. And I didn't know that until yesterday when he was telling me what he told somebody else in the appropriate context. So you're planting seeds. You're not going to know whether this is going to stick or not. But frankly, it's all you can do. It's all that you're supposed to do. That's your job. You plant the seeds and then they decide whether it's going to grow or not. So I hope that was helpful. If you're enjoying my podcast, I would love if you can just take the time really quick before you leave to hit a star. If you're listening on iTunes and that rates the podcast and that feedback is really important for my podcast, you can leave a review and I read all those reviews. They do help motivate me, but more importantly than me, They help parents recognize what are good versus bad podcasts. So if you're enjoying this podcast, share that information and let other people know. If you want more of me, you can always visit anxioustoddlers2teens.com. And that is kind of the hub of all my podcasts, all my YouTube videos. And I wrote a bazillion articles in 2015 to 2017 before I decided to just go pure podcast and YouTube. So I have tons of articles on pretty much any topic imaginable. So if you want more information from me, there's probably a YouTube video, podcast, or article on that topic. So you can go to my website and there's a search button on the bottom. Just hit your topic and I'm sure a million articles will pop up. So I hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do and I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.